Hey guys, welcome to Tea Talks. Today on the podcast, we have Chris. Chris is uh, somebody that I ran into while at rehab and was super kind enough to come on and share some of his story. Um, yeah, it was a really, really interesting discussion. Uh, went places that I had no idea it would go, to be honest. And uh, he was very raw, very honest, incredibly vulnerable. Um, and has a story that I think is relatable to a lot of people. Uh, so I'm, you know, I think we're both really excited for, for everyone to have a listen to this one and, uh, and enjoy the show. Enjoy responsibly. Welcome to Tea Talks. I'm one of your hosts, Topher. And I'm one of your other hosts, Jamie. Each week, we're sitting down with a fellow human to discuss the importance of men talking. Some of our guests are going to have gritty, difficult stories to listen to, and some are going to have stories that might seem a little less intense. So brew yourself a nice cup of tea and listen along. Love you all. Love you all. Hey guys, Toby here from Tea Talks. Uh, I just want to let you know that this episode does talk about things like suicide, alcohol abuse, and addiction. So if these are things that you're struggling with, then please be cautious when listening to this episode. Thank you, and hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, Chris. Why don't you tell us a little about yourself and, and your story and kind of, uh, you know, you can start from start from wherever you want and uh, and we'll go from there. But like, I'd love to hear about your mental health history. Uh, my mental health history is is quite a fucked up story, man, as is everybody else's, though. Right. But like, yeah. you, you go through so many motions trying to figure out what's wrong with you you get poked at by many doctors therapists counselors etc um i've been oh, about six years ago i went to a, a really top-notch um, psychiatrist psychologist sorry in uh, halifax and ever since i was six years old i was misdiagnosed with anything that you could think of. I was misdiagnosed with ADHD, uh, ADD, Asperger's, autism, learning disabilities, right through the roof. And it was something that affected me hard because now you're like, how do you deal with this on top of having ADHD? How do you have autism and ADHD? How do you have Asperger's, autism, ADHD? I was everything and every pill that was available was thrown at me and i uh went to this doctor and he goes man you're, you're not anything he's like you don't have any of the stuff that i see in documents because he had my entire history and he goes i think you just had a rough upbringing he's like you get childhood abuse you've got alcoholism in your family you get drugs in your family um i just i fell into drinking and i fell into gambling and he's like how you're not farther down the line than you are right now is unbelievable it did a number man like my cycle like i like i pointed out to alex the other day in group alex being a therapist at the uh facility we were at who's a, who's a great guy anyway sorry chris yeah. continue i you were even there for this, Jamie, when I said my rotation was go to the bar, get a beer, yeah. hit the ATM, <laughs> hit the VLT, back for another beer, back to the ATM, back to the VLT. It went in circles for hours on end during the day. 
Like I never drank during the week. I didn't gamble during the week. I didn't believe in showing up to work, smelling like a brewery and bringing my issues to work. I just shoved them way down deep and Bob's your uncle. Yeah. And just over time, man, I drank myself into psychosis. Um, I am going to apologize about this story. Jamie's already heard it. So if it hits a little hard, I, I apologize. Don't apologize, uh, Chris, because because I, I like first of all, I know where this story's going, man, and and for you to feel comfortable enough to share it, man, that that's a, a testament to your courage. Seriously, I mean that as sincere as I can, man. So um, don't apologize for your story, man, because that's what we want this to be about: is to be a safe place to um, and to encourage others that it's okay to tell even the worst parts of your story. So yeah, I appreciate that brother. Of course. Uh, in the last, Oh shit. Six months. I've been to detox. I went to 40 North at the hospital just cause I couldn't handle everything going on in my life. I lost access to both my kids. I lost two. I lost a really great relationship with a, with a wonderful woman who took on my oldest daughter, like she's her own kid. And this was the type of woman that would do anything for you. But I, uh, I lost everything over the summer. I lost the home. I lost the family and I drank myself into a state of psychosis. Uh, so for three months on end, my body was there in vision, but, my mind was not there spiritually. It was just something that took over. And I I believe I was there in vision because I could see what's going on, but I couldn't control it. And I don't even remember what I saw right now. Everything's just a blur. I uh, went to the hospital to try and deal with this. Uh, they did nothing for me. And I was going through the hospital. I was there for a week. They detoxed me. They didn't let me talk to anybody. Uh, I was completely miserable for that week. And when I got out, I was only out for three days before I said to myself, you got to go back because this is not right. And I went back. I was in the emergency room and I sat there for six hours before I even spoke to a doctor. And they just said, no, nah, man, you're you're still going through the stages. You got to deal this on your own. Um, and he goes, I'm not going to admit yet. He goes, just promise you won't kill yourself. So I said, I can't make that guarantee, man, because I'm not in my right space. I said, I'm not even in my own body right now. And the first thing I did, of course, when I left, I went over to the Reversing Falls Bridge. And I was going to kill myself. I was going to jump. As soon as I put my foot on the top of the railing, and you even noticed where I was telling you about those little half holes, Jamie. Yeah. I had my hand on top of that, and as soon as I looked down at the water, I snapped back into my own mind. I get like psychosis just bailed on me. And I got down off the railing. I called 911. I couldn't even move man i was just in tears and shock and and my body was like paralyzed from the eyes down i and i, I want to challenge you on one thing chris you, yeah. you just you just said that psychosis bailed on you 
and, and I think anyone who knows you and, and has heard this story, psychosis didn't bail on you, bro. You you fought that shit off. Like don't I, look at it. I won that round. Yeah, man. Like like it. Psychosis tried its best, but they did not get the best of Chris. No, it didn't. So I sorry. Anyway, continue. Yeah, no, I, I no. understand. You were you were a mess afterwards. You did the right thing and called nine one one and. I, I should have said in a different way. I mean, it failed in a good way. Um, yeah. I called 911, man, and the best vision for me, like, my memory came back as 17 cop cars pulled up on the on the reverse of Falls Bridge, shut the bridge down, and buddy came up to me, and I was just petrified. And he's like, you're not in trouble. He's like, we're here to help you. And he introduced himself. I'm not going to say his last name, but um he does listen to my radio station if he ever hears it i'll say his name is neil i thank him every day of life man that he just happened to be in the right spot the right time for the right call he uh gave me his card he's like i'm here to help you man he goes today's not the last day you're gonna see me he goes i'm gonna meet with you every day if i have to for a coffee for you to feel better and he took me over to the police station and I uh, talked to mobile mental health. And this is where it's going to tie into our poor health system is the girl I met. I, I'll, I'll leave her nameless. Yeah, I appreciate uh, that. She, uh, she basically said, there's nothing wrong with you. I don't believe anything's ever been wrong with you. And do not go to the hospital because I will make sure they don't admit you. And as soon as she said that, I just up and walked out through the conversation. I got in a yeah. cab right to the hospital. Yeah. I asked for the psychologist on that was there, specifically the one that I've been seeing. Yeah. And I handed him my card. I said, if you don't think there's something wrong with me, I just met this cop because I was going to jump off the heart or off the reverse impulse bridge. Yeah. And of course, after hearing that, I was right back in 40 North, two and a half weeks. Uh, seeing a psychologist, psychiatrist, occupational therapy every day for 14 days. And as soon as I come out of there, I went right back to detox. Detox was an eye opener after dealing with that and occupational therapy. I'm proud to say today I'm 120 days, no gambling and 90 days, no drinking. Congratulations. So, Thank you. Chris, uh, that's a lot to digest, you know what I mean? Um, I just want to tell you that I'm humbled, again, that you have the strength. Like For those, for those viewers or, or listeners who don't know or can't see Chris, he's like six foot five. He's a, he's a monster. Um, Best looking man on the earth. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's debatable, but, but like the courage that you've shown in asking for help along the way, being denied that help, the state of our mental health care systems and, and, and things available is atrocious. I, I don't think, yeah. you know, we could do a whole separate thing on that, but, um, and then again, on top of that to share, I just applaud you, man. I don't know how else to say it besides thank you for being open and honest about that because that's, that's, yeah. that's your life. That's real life. Real life is, is dirty and gritty and, it has shitty dark moments and yeah. currently the mindset is to like keep them in the dark, but 
we want to shine the light on those moments, man, because that's yeah. what that's what I think will bring us together. I, I yeah. yeah, I also think there's I mean, yeah, thank you. It takes a huge amount of courage to share what you just shared. Um I think like the value of you having that courage is hopefully it will save someone else's life as well. Um Absolutely, man. because you know, you you're you're not alone in this and that's not to trivialize what you're what you went through or what you're continuing to go through. Um, yeah. but there's other people out there that are experiencing similar things that don't meet Neil on the bridge, you know, that don't run into the right people and they do take their lives. Um, yeah. and then there's a lot of people who think that that's the only option. And by you talking about this helps people realize that there's, there's other ways out of this. Um, but it's completely fucked up that yeah. it takes that kind of experience for you in order to receive the help that you got, you know, that you needed prior to it. I mean, yeah. 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 No, for sure, man. It's, it really is mind blowing. And, uh, I just, on the personal side, I remember sharing like my traumatic, my trauma as a kid, um, my sexual abuse. And, you know, I had kept it bottled up for a long time. And I remember, like vividly the feeling of sharing that for the first time. And, you know, I thought it would be before doing it, before sharing it, I thought it would be embarrassing. I thought I would be maybe ridiculed, called a liar. Um, you know, all of these negative things, right. were going through my head or shamed um, or, for sure. Right. And and then, and then when I finally decided that like, I need to get this out, the wave of emotions was the exact opposite that I thought I was, I was embraced with love and, and, and people told me I was courageous and, and, uh, it was a good feeling as opposed to a bad feeling. You know what I mean? Like shining the light on this dark thing I thought was going to like make everyone be, be like, Oh my God, Jamie is, uh, he actually is a bad person instead of something. I mean, bad. I still, I still thought that personally. Yeah. But <laughs> <for other reasons. laughs> yeah. That's because we've lived together for far too long. Um, now that, in, there's so many a, things I could say now, but <laughs> there could be children listening to this. Exactly. <laughs> I think exactly. we've enough. All of that to, to say, uh, like, do, do you remember how it felt like, and how it just felt now sharing? Like, can you relate um, to that? I can. Um, and I'm going to use Celebrate Recovery because yep. it changed my life. And I remember the first night that you and I were allowed to stay at uh, Celebrate Recovery while we were doing what we were doing. And I told you that night that I just wasn't going to go. I didn't feel right. And you made some smart-ass comment at me, and I was like, oh, I'm going to punch him in the mouth. <laughs> and then uh, – then I was thankful that you said that five seconds later, because I was like, he's my brother. He cares about me. And we went to celebrate recovery, man. And I told that story that I just shared with you guys. And I had that feeling that was in my stomach and I just felt it fall out of me. Like I felt like a brand new man. I remember looking around the room that night and this is going to be a trailer park boys reference, but the eyes on everybody in that room were like looking at bubbles right through the glasses. Like they were just that wide. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, um, can, I, can I ask a, a question? It's, it, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to move away from that, that particular moment, but prior to the Celebrate Recovery, that, that um, experience you had there, what, were you able, did you feel that you were able to talk to friends and family about what you were going through? No. When I came to where I'm at right now, where I'm sitting at right now, I was very quiet and I was nervous as hell because I walked in there like, you're getting a roommate tomorrow. And I said, yeah, whatever. I'm not here for somebody else. I'm here for me, but I gotta, it's something I gotta learn to deal with and it's going to help to conquer anxiety. So I just happened to be sitting in the TV room when I seen them hauling these bags down the hall and somebody come in and said, Oh, your roommate's here. So I'm walking down the hall and of course I can hear somebody saying, what if my roommate thinks this is weird? And I turn around and there's Jamie staring me right in the face. We were roommates. It was like, it was meant to be. I just looked at him. I was like, Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 And uh, Chris, the only reason I'm not saying where we were is because I don't want to violate your uh, privacy, but it, like, I, it, I don't mind sharing where where we were if you don't mind sharing where man i i have no embarrassment or no thought of being embarrassed or being judged to say that i'm at ridgewood yeah Yeah. right i i I think it's a fantastic thing because like you said i'm six foot five man i might look like i'm tough but on the inside i'm like a little kid right now crying for help i i agree with you wholeheartedly and i know i know topher does right like there's no, there should be, there is a stigma around addiction and getting help and being in a rehab, but like, there's nothing to be ashamed of, man. Like that, that's, that's where, that's the strength of somebody who has asked for help and then yeah. is giving up the freedoms of life to go and dedicate however much time to their, their mental and physical health. Like I think yeah. what, yeah, that's a brave thing. And I'm going to share a story here. It's not about me and I'm not saying names, but Jamie, you know who the person is. Uh, Yesterday we lost like a brother to us and he didn't die. He just, something happened. It wasn't for him. But I spoke to him last night on the phone because everybody was trying to get a hold of him. And he was talking about how he was just going to off himself. And Jamie, you know how hard I've been trying to even shed a tear. I yeah. sat down with a friend last night at uh, Jungle Gyms. We were out just because we had had enough. We walked around Walmart. I hopped on one of the scooters. I drove around Walmart <laughs> for about an hour on the scooter. <laughs> as you do, as you do. Yeah, I even took a picture of it. <laughs> you uh, have to send it to us. Yeah, I will for sure, boys. But it was fun. I'd, I'd sneak up behind people and just lay on the horn. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, this this lady friend and I that we were out together, I trust her a whole lot. Yeah. And we just we went over to Jungle Gyms, had supper, and we were trying to get a hold of them. And we got worried about them. Like, we were ready to hop in the car and go out to his house and make sure he's still alive. Right. And... I just silenced my phone number so that it wouldn't pop up. And he thought it was somebody trying to get a hold of him because he had found out about a family member. And when I started talking to him, he had said, man, I, he goes, this is my fifth shot at it. 
And he goes, I, I fucked it up. And he goes, I fucked it up for you guys. I fucked it up for my kids. I fucked it up for my family. He's like, nobody likes me. Speaking, he he's goes, speaking of his recovery, right? Like he's, screwed, yeah. he's had chances and he has. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And this is a guy that came in that was just bouncing off the wall. And I was like, I don't know how to take this. And I, I, I feel wrong for judging a book by its cover. And that's why I'm talking about it with you guys right now, because it, it's not right to do that. And it's making me feel better to get it off my chest and say, I shouldn't have done it. This guy turned out to be like my brother. And when he started crying on the phone last night, I cried right in the middle of a restaurant. Cause I was Did like, you? man, we love you, buddy. Like nobody hates you. And I said to him, you might, it might take you 15 tries to get it right into recovery, but at least you're not giving up. That's right, man. I'm so happy for you, Chris. You finally, you finally managed to get a few out, eh? Oh yeah, yeah. It was like somebody punched me right in the stomach. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's and and that's it's an interesting point, you know, like therapy and and professionals and the money you can spend in recovery or, or mental health, you know, like professionals. I'm sure, like CEOs. There's a plethora of these professionals available to them right but like yeah. what was the most impactful thing to the like to you or or to that individual was a talk between two hurt people yeah you know yeah. and and that's where where i think we see a lot of value right tove uh yeah 100 100 yeah. this podcast is brought to you by manatee Manatee was developed to bring high-quality organic ingredients together to produce a tasty, warm beverage that has beneficial effects for men's health, both physically and mentally. This includes ingredients that are known to improve prostate health, heart health, brain function, increased memory function, reduced anxiety, and even increased libido. These teas can be enjoyed by everyone, but were designed with men in mind as the options for healthy, caffeinated, or non-caffeinated beverages for men can sometimes seem limited. Just like in life, sometimes men need to be able to step away from the harsh stuff and have something a little more relaxing. That's where Man of Tea comes in. Be a man. Drink tea. And listeners, if you want to try this tea, we're offering a special discount code. Use T-Talks, T-E-A-T-O-X at checkout, and you'll receive 20% off your first order. That's T-Talks, T-E-A-T-O-X at checkout, and you'll receive 20% discount on all orders your first time. It, it did remind me last night that of the saying, it's okay not to be okay. Yeah. And it happened to take a 42-year-old man crying on the phone to me to be like, it's all right. Because I grew up being told, don't shed a tear. If you shed a tear, you're being a fucking wimp. Yeah. 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 Like, even in grade six, man, I took an ice ball to the eye and I couldn't bring up emotions. Yeah. It's such a perpetuated thing. You know, our dads were taught by their dads who were taught by men who, who, who fought in world wars, who couldn't afford to, you know, I don't want to speak for them, but like it's been passed down, you know, and it's, it's from a young age, like push it down, push it down. Don't show weakness. But like you just said, it's okay to be not okay. I, I wrote that down. I think that that's a, that's a great kind of mantra to keep in mind. It's interesting because on, on just on the subject of like crying and 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 that and like the call it like the hereditary uh, 
characteristics of a man like my my dad is actually a very in touch with his emotions kind of person um more so than my mom in fact and like he was the kind of person that even if you like a hallmark commercial he would start fucking crying <laughs> and uh, so so growing up i never there was never any shame in crying i'm i'm not a particularly emotional person today um now that i have kids i kind of i'm a little bit more but i still have a very hard time crying uh, yeah. and it's not because i think that there's any weakness in it um i think that there's like i think that there's a correlation between strength like being a strong man and like success for some reason and it's like strong people aren't vulnerable or don't cry or don't like strong men in, in business are like can't be susceptible to those kinds of emotions because there's no time for it and so i think that there's like there's so many layers to it it's like there's what's drilled like drilled in at home there's like what you see in movies there's what you see with like all of the leaders in the world there's so many different aspects that come into it that say if you're a strong man you're supposed to keep all those emotions bottled up because they're not going to help you succeed so like why why bother with them right there's no value in it um that's that's my like my take on it my perspective because like i definitely didn't have that for my dad um and even like the other men in my life that are their role models most of them cry and I look at it as a sign of strength. I guess maybe now I do, but there's something there's something that society drills into us that we like we can't show emotion to be like, in my opinion, to be like a leader, which I think is complete horseshit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I just want to throw my perspective out there because I don't have that yeah. that same thing from from my father. Yeah, well, yeah, and I th I think that's uh, that's a valuable insight, you know. And I think that hopefully like, things are trending better, right? Like things i think uh like us getting together to talk like the fact that we took time out of our days um you know we've got families and work to do and and things you know there's time is valuable and i think that putting the value back in sitting down with a couple of friends is what we need to bring back you know like it, it's okay to feel you you feel that you feel them regardless it's just that we're not trained at talking about them and Chris, I watched you come in and now we're doing this interview like over five weeks later, man, like your ability to share and the confidence that you have. I think that that is, I know that that is going to serve you well, man. Like you, I think you deserve every bit of the praise that you get for sharing those stories and for being as real as you can be, like being your authentic self um, and inspiring others to share with you um it, it's amazing man what are your plans for the future um first of all i'm gonna jump back on what you were saying there for a second because your your stories that you told me over the last five weeks they are eye openers even though your your substance and my substance were two different things i uh i believe they went hand in hand in the way of you and i helping each other because you'd say like I feel terrible for you because it's right in your face and you're right. It, alcoholism is right in your face. Uh, it, it's around every corner now. Like I'm going to, I'm going to use a Tim Hortons for a metaphor. There's a Tim Hortons on every corner. Now there's a, a spot that's got a case of beer, a bottle of wine, anything it's on every corner. You can't even walk into superstore without it being right in your face. 
Oh yeah, and, every every sporting event, every social event, every concert. Um, yeah, alcohol is is in our society right now. Yep. You know, it's promoted left and right. And where I felt bad for someone in your situation is like when you were going through a withdrawal or needing right away, it's not easily accessible like it is with liquor. So it, to me, it was harder for you guys to use. And I, I shouldn't say you guys. I'm making it sound bad, but I, I'm talking in general. What and... do you mean by you guys? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, I know what you mean, Chris. But And yeah. like, I think that's the mutual respect aspect right like we both recognize that it's hard and that's one of the things that Topher has like opened my eyes up to massively right like I think that I have it hard and I think you know you it's easy like you said about like judging a book by its cover you can look at the CEO of a company who's got you know the wife the kids the white picket fence the you know the boat in the yard and because I have nothing maybe on my end I think that my mental health problems are way worse than his but yeah. we don't know that he was beaten as a child had a traumatic incident uh, isn't getting along with his his wife or is what you know what i mean there's so many things that go into people's mental health and to Topher's point like it's almost easier for us as addicts self-appointed addicts it kind of gives us a license to talk about it yeah whereas on Topher's end of things you know, a high functioning member of society, people with those careers and jobs and lives that from a 40,000 foot view look great. Those people don't have the same opportunity to, or or maybe feel that they have the same permission to let themselves be vulnerable. So we're building mutual, mutual respect, you know, like. Uh, I'll go to your question though. Like what are my plans for the future? Um, I'm going to live a sober life, man, because like I've been sober, oh, like I said, 90 days and away from the gambling machines for over that. And between finishing drinking and starting here, yep, it, it was confusing. But now that I'm, I'm here and I'm getting the right help I need, I'm happy, man. I haven't been happy in a long time. I plan to keep that going because... I think of the times that I sat at the bars, drinking my face off, throwing hundreds and hundreds of dollars in the machines instead of spending time with my kids. Between the three of us, we've got six young children. We could change, like we could break the chain in our addictions by being sober, being a better person, being more involved instead of going to do a line of coke or going to drink the bottle. And yeah, or or in Dover's case, like just talking about it. Um, yeah, like I, I like thank, emotional. Thank Thanks for including me, guys. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're all fighting our demons, right? That's that's the well, moral yeah. story. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And, and that's a great point, Chris, about like uh, breaking the chain. You know, is like raising emotionally intelligent children who yeah. feel no matter their gender, no matter the circumstance that they can talk about their feelings and it doesn't make them weak. It does the exact opposite. I, when, during, when the pandemic hit, I would be like bored as fuck or whatever. And my kids were home from school. No one was working. Everyone was like locked in at the house. And, uh, I would like write little notes on my phone as though I was going to like tweet them out, but I don't use Twitter. So I basically wrote tweets to myself that I never tweeted. <laughs> One of the things that I wrote down was, was 
maybe maybe in 20 years we're gonna have a generation of non-fucked up people because they got to spend six months with their fathers yeah. and uh and i like i like stood by that i'm like i think about that a lot i'm like i wonder if that period of time plus the fact that like we're changing the conversation we're trying to change the conversation then people are being more more open about this stuff it, we hopefully our kids are going to be part of a generation that isn't completely fucked up because they have a, a a proper relationship with their parents and their dads and yeah so that's my hope but that was my yeah one of my tweets yeah. myself. i was just going to say that like yeah i think that there's there's evidence out there that you know par- like direct correlations between emotionally unavailable parents and emotionally unstable children mm-hmm. so the more we can do as fathers then the more we can encourage the next generation and that doesn't mean just our kids you know like that can mean just how we act and interact with with people how we talk to our own friends sitting down with those guys and, and doing basically what we're doing and just getting it all out on the table man it brings people closer together we're we're much more similar than we are different one of the questions that i've incorporated into like every conversation i have with any of my my friends from like different accelerators i've gone through from like the startup business world is always because it it's inevitably like how are things going and the way that people answer that is uh, an answer about their business um and one of the questions that i always ask and i like i like pause to make sure they hear it is like but how are you like how are you doing because so long we would just be like, oh, you know, we're raising another round, we're doing this, we're doing that. And like at the end of the day, the person themselves is like not sleeping enough, not eating properly, struggling with anxiety, like fucking leaving meetings because they're having panic attacks, like all kinds of shit. And it's happening to so many people and no one's stopping and being like, yeah, but like, are you okay? And, uh, and it's, it's, you get amazing responses from people and they're like, you know what? Like I'm stressed. Yeah, it feels good to share, like Chris said. Like, and not everyone has something like the, that's like that in, that intense. Maybe lack lack of a better word, but that felt that feels good to share, and it makes the people around you feel good, like feel connected. I think that that's what we want to do with mental health, right? Is just keep get people reconnected. We have we have that in our DNA to be connected. So I feel there's a lot of people out there that right now they don't understand the mental health system so like if they see somebody like the three of us uh, i'm gonna say a good point here because i met with a therapist yesterday yep and i talked to him about how i'm not a showy guy right like i buy my clothes at costco and i drive a toyota corolla and i used my brother as an example of has to buy like the $200 shirts, the $500 jacket, drive the Lexus. His wife has to have the Lexus, like be showy, right? And the therapist said, he goes, the way your brother is and the way you are, you take kids from 1971 and till now. And he goes, I think you're seeing the high end phase be worn out. He goes, people are starting to come down to like what you are right now being conscious of what's around them not being showy not being the type of guy that has to have the the fancy car to make a statement and he goes i feel with that coming there's an influx of alcoholism in our rehab unit right now i think we're going to go over that hump and you're going to see alcoholism kind of fade 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 
I think it's right now everybody's just dealing with issues from 1971 and up. He goes, it's called the 1971 effect. Hmm. I haven't heard, I haven't heard of it, but but I'm 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 keen to look into it. Is there anything that Chris that you wanted to share or Topher? Sorry, did did you have any other questions? There's one one question I want to end with, which is just a question about what you what advice you would give yourself when you were younger, but uh, knowing what you know now. But let's yeah. see if there's something you want to throw in before we ask that question. Yeah, um, my plans for now are stay sober. Um, as you guys know, I've built my own online radio station. I'm, yeah. I'm getting that to the point where it's going to be on the FM dial, hopefully. I, I'm doing things that I dreamt of that I never put into effect. So like the radio station, I've dreamt of that for 10 years because I, yeah. I get a degree in it. I've tried to get a job in it. Uh, I won't leave St. John because my kids are here. Right. So I took it into my own hands. And just like I'm doing this on my own, I, I want it in the industry, and I'm I'm forcing myself in. So that's like what's given me the drive to force myself to be sober. Is I'm taking that ability that I did to have a dream and make it come true, and put it towards something else that's another dream and make it become true. I was just wanted to say, man, that like, and with that is gonna like you've come so far in your mental health journey. You know what I mean? But like. Yeah. It's interesting as you as you roll out this amazing radio station, which I've heard and, and would recommend to anybody. Like it'll come with its own set of problems, its own anxieties, its own. You know, you're gonna get empl- then you'll have employees, and then you're gonna have payroll, and like you know what I mean. It, you'll end up with a whole other host of problems. But do you feel that like having this experience that you are better prepared to be open and honest about those yep. feelings as they come? Right. Yeah, like I'm yeah. ready for the problems to roll out just like that, right? Yeah. Now yeah. that I can, now that I'm handling sobriety, this is another big thing I can handle, man. And it's going to be what I want to do. It's not going to be what I'm forced to do. You were asking, like, if I could go back and say one thing before I started my addiction. I would say, here's what to avoid because you're not going to be happy. Here's the hurdles to jump to be in the right direction. Here's the people to avoid. There might be that one person that you want to avoid, but something good like my five-year-old came out of it. Right. So I I wish I avoided the situation at first, but now that I look at it, I'd be if I avoided it, I wouldn't have something that I love so much. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah it's almost like going back and saying like you're strong enough for whatever comes your way yeah because clearly you are chris thank you so much for sharing all of this chris it's uh uh, yeah it's inspirational you're incredibly brave person and uh i'm I'm really really happy that i've known you for so long and and that we're able to reconnect and i'm sorry so much shit in the in the interim but uh I just applaud you for for tackling it head on and yeah, being a fucking beast in the best way possible. So yeah, I I am gonna say one more thing before we end this. Sure. Uh, A lot of people apologize that they're like, "Oh, I'm sorry to hear that you're going through this." Nobody ever has to apologize because to me, it's it's not a bad thing. It's it's a great thing to recognize, and I do appreciate people saying sorry because. They're, they're genuinely concerned, but 
seeing it from the addict's point of view, no one ever needs to be sorry because I'm the one that caused it. I'm the one that did it to myself. But it is nice to know that somebody's thinking about you. Like all I, all I asked for is that people just be happy for the addict that's trying to recover. Yeah. Yeah. I agree, man. I think that's a great message to close on. I'm going to let you get out of here, but, uh, from both of us, man, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I, I love you dearly, man. You're like, uh, like a big, ugly brother. No, I really do appreciate you. I know yeah. we talked about doing this, buddy. I love you. I can't wait to see you on the outside. Your kids are gonna are lucky to have have such a, a big dad with a big bigger heart. Back at you, man, and back at you, Topher. Thank you very much. Yeah. All right. Nice. See you, pal. Great job. No problem, guys. Good to Bye. see you. Yeah. Bye. Bye.